0: Good morning. It is great to see you guys on this chilly day. Of course, this is a warm day compared to what it's been, correct? Absolutely. Let me share with you some stuff I read this week that I thought was was telling of our world today. This was uh, from last summer, the Miami Herald newspaper. In the United States, in the last three years, anxiety levels among us have increased dramatically the New York Times last October had an article about college students a five-year study of college students about their sense of overwhelm or anxiety and what they said about college students in the last four or five years the sense of overwhelm or anxiety has gone from 50% up to 62% percent—a 12% jump in about four years A lady in the New York Times last summer was being interviewed, and she was talking about stress and anxiety. And she said this, she goes, really, in our world today, if you're not anxious, you're not normal. Sadly, there's some truth to that, isn't there? We're starting a series this morning titled, Being Sane... In an insane world. And I think you would agree with me. We do live in a, a world that's anxious and nervous and overwhelmed and burned out. And some of you are right there this morning. I mean, you're right on that edge or you're, you're moving towards that edge. Wisdom also says this. Maybe you're not there this morning, but wisdom says, I want to pack this away, write it down, keep it in my mind and my heart, because you may be here in six months or you may be a year or you may be helping someone who's going through it. But we're in Matthew chapter 11 this morning and we're going to talk about the foundations today of being sane in an insane world. Let's begin with this and I think you're going to agree with me 100%. Life can wear us down. Man, life can wear us down in multiple, multiple, multiple ways. Verse 28, Matthew 11, it says, come unto me all you who are weary and weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. My mother used to tell me that misery loves company. And I, and I think there's truth to that. And if you're miserable this morning, it's good to know that people have been miserable for thousands of years. I think in, in Genesis chapter 3, at the beginning of the Bible, you begin to see that anxiety and depression and overwhelm with sin. And you certainly see it in Genesis chapter 4. 2,000 years ago, Jesus was looking at a group of people Maybe a group very similar to this group. And he said, I know you're weary. What does the word weary mean? It means to feel fatigued or feel, fati- feel tired. It was often a word used to talk about when someone had worked out all day out in the sun, in the heat, physical labor, and they came in and they were exhausted. Many of you know that, that physical exhaustion is tough, but I think mental exhaustion is just as bad or worse. It certainly could apply to that. And He uses the, the phrase "heavy burden." You're weary and heavy burden. The word or the phrase "heavy burden" means to be overloaded. It means too much. It's a word of anxiety. It's the picture of a trailer that's got too much on it, and 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 it it can't carry that load. It's going to end up tearing up the truck or the trailer. Stuff's going to start falling off. We've all seen that. It's it's too much to be pulled. Maybe you carried too much at Christmas and. You're carrying out groceries, you're carrying out presents. We understand that. In Jesus' day, these burdens, one of them was religious. The the Sadducees and the Pharisees were kind of the religious elite of Jesus' day, and they had made following God so difficult. You had to do this, 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 and that, and if you missed one step, you were in trouble, you were out of bounds. They had made following God a burden. They had made it a thing of anxiety and tension. But also, this concept is much broader than just religious. Jesus' day, Rome ruled the world. You think politics are tough in America. When you had a Roman emperor, anything he wanted done could be done, especially if you weren't a Roman citizen, and many of Jesus's, including Jesus weren't Roman citizens. Romans wanted you dead. You could be killed just like that without any kind of a real trial. There was a military state. Roman soldiers walked the streets. If they wanted your backpack or your food or you to carry their stuff for a, a mile, they had a legal right to make you do it. Taxes were high. Unemployment was high. A lot of the people Jesus was talking to probably were lower economic people, and they were worn out. They were burdened, and they were tired. And 2,000 years later, so are we. What's your burdens this morning? Where's your overwhelm coming from? Or where will it be in six months or a year? Where's that friend you're trying to help or family member who's overburdened and overwhelmed? Where, where is that anxiety and stress coming from? Maybe it is from religion. I think we can help you with that because following Jesus Christ, that we're going to see this morning, is not supposed to be heavy. It's supposed to be light. and It's supposed to be wonderful. Maybe it's the way you're doing religion. Maybe it's school. I firmly believe today school is harder on students than it was when I was in school. I didn't do a lot of homework. Maybe I should have. Maybe that's the problem, right? But, you know, I hear about kids having two hours of homework. I had two hours of homework every six weeks, I think. School's harder, and then that makes it harder on the teachers, too. I love sports, but, you know, in, in some regards, we have made sports a burden to our young people and to our parents and to our coaches. When you got games seven days a week and 15 games on the weekend, at some point, that ceases to be relaxation and fun, I'm guessing. Maybe it's financial. Maybe today your, your deal is, man, the bills aren't adding up. I mean, the credit card's fun to use until you have to start paying for it. Amen? Absolutely. Maybe it's your physical health. You know, it's kind of a, it's kind of a circular thing. Your physical health can, can stress you out and your stress can make you physically sick. I don't know what's going on with you, but I know it's so prominent in our world today. One of the things we struggle with is an overwhelm of knowledge. Did you know that? And the the Internet, as great as it is, it can be overwhelming. The magazine, The Economist, listen to what some phrases they describe people struggle with today. Data, Data asphyxiation, data smog. We have information fatigue syndrome. We have a time famine. We don't have enough time. When we have as much time as anyone's ever had, we've just got too much to do in our time frame. I read this this week. This is pretty, uh, I mean, to me it was, it, was, it was strong. Worldwide, the average person spends two hours and 15 minutes a day in social media, on social media. Whether that's Facebook, whether that's Twitter, Instagram, two hours and... I'm going to challenge you in a moment to read your Bible five minutes a day. We can do that. Amen? Probably not, but I'm I'm thinking we can, right? And so you go, well, social media ought to be something that makes us happy and it ought to make us fulfilled and it gets us away from the real world, just the opposite. The more you spend on time on social media, what the experts are saying is the more insecure it makes you feel and the more depressed because on social media everybody's life is like a Hallmark movie, right? Nobody shows pictures where they look fat. Nobody shows people at Christmas fighting. I mean everything's just happy. My wife and daughter got into the Hallmark Christmas movies this year. I'm telling you, if I didn't drink, I would have been in an institution. Those movies would make you cray-cray. And, and uh, those movies, everything's perfect. Everything, the bad guy loses, the good guy wins, and it snows every time at Christmas. <laughs> that's not fake news. That's fake TV, right? <laughs> What's your source of stress this morning? I, I saw this. This is a few years old from USA Today, and if anything, these numbers have gone up. Percentage of Americans who said they need more fun, almost 70%. Need a long vacation, 67%. Vacation stress us out if we're not careful. You notice that? Often feel stressed. 66%. Time crunch, 60% of Americans. Want less work and more play. All my staff members. What does that say? No, it's 51% of Americans. Feel pressured to succeed. I believe it's higher today, but it says 50%. And feel overwhelmed most of the time, almost 50% of Americans. Is that you this morning? Let me give you a second thought, because this, is, this all builds together. Man, this is so important. You've got to la- learn to handle this, or you're going to pay a dear price. Next week or the next, I'm going to talk a little bit about some of my personal story with some of this stuff. I'm speaking to you from the Bible, but I'm speaking to you from experience. Bible's a lot prettier. Experience is, is a tough thing, but it's a real thing. And no matter how macho you are, how, how strong you are, No matter how much you think you don't need this or this doesn't apply to you, nothing could be farther from the truth that all of us have a breaking point. In verse 29 and 30, listen to what Jesus says. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. I'm humble and gentle in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. You you know what a yoke is? Not an egg yoke. That's a yoke. In, in Jesus' day, and still in many parts of the more undeveloped parts of our world, they use these wooden yokes, that's like a harness for animals. We have a picture where you see these, these two animals, In a lot of, in Jesus' day, and again, in a lot of parts of the world still, you would use a yoke to put on these animals to plow a field or to pull a wagon, and, and. The yoke, we're going to see in a moment, Jesus is talking about literally a yoke, but it also being the symbol of life. But it was so important that the yoke fit perfectly. Jesus was a carpenter. One of the things, carpenters built houses. They prepared and fixed farmer's instruments. But one thing they did was they prepared yokes for animals. And when you got ready to get a yoke for your animals, you didn't go to Walmart and buy the generic yoke. You went to a carpenter. You brought your animals. The animals were brought in. They were fitted. They were measured. The yoke needed to fit perfectly. Dr. Paul Brand was a medical doctor and a missionary in India for years. And he tells a story about how this came to life for him because where he was in India, they all used yokes to pull their wagons and to plow their fields. He said if a a farmer got a yoke that did not fit the animal perfectly, a lot of times you wouldn't notice it first. And they would plow, they would use it to pull the wagons. But eventually what happens is it begins to develop pressure sores because it didn't fit properly on the animal. And if it's not tended to and fixed, eventually those pressure sores sores can ruin tissue, maybe even kill the animal, but certainly render it useless and use it completely where we cannot do what it is supposed to do. In other words, the yoke needed to fit. Here's our problem. Man, we've got a yoke, and again, the yoke is symbolic of a way of life that doesn't fit us, that we weren't fit for. We're trying to do life in a way that God did not intend for us to do life. And and a lot of times, that wears on you little by little by little, and you don't notice. You don't notice for two years or four years or ten years. My case is 20 years before some of those pressure stores begin to, to mess me up. But they, uh, they every single time, they absolutely will. How are you doing life? God didn't intend for you to do life seven days a week without stop. God did not intend you to do life without him. God did not intend for you to do life without serving others and praying and being in your Bible. And when we try to do life our way, when we've had the yoke on us that doesn't fit well, it may be quick, it may be slow, but eventually this is going to wear you out and cause problems and mess you up That's what Jesus is saying A man named Dr. Eppel A professor at University of California, San Francisco Wrote an article on chronic stress That never letting up That always being going Always around the clock You're always tense You're always pressured And, and he said a lot of things in this article I read That were very good One thing he says It just prematurely ages you We know that You see somebody who's 40 It looks like, it like they're 60 Well, you say, well, they they drank hard for 25 years and they've done drugs. That stresses out your body. But listen, the same thing happens when you're not sleeping, you're overworking, you're overplaying, you're worried. It begins to mess with and affect your body in a lot of negative ways. I read a good book last year on emotional intelligence. My wife said it didn't help me, but I did read the book, and I liked the book. And in this book, the doctor talks about how anxiety, that worry gone mad debilitates the brain. You begin to not be able to remember things, respond well, process things well. In other words, Jesus said you wear this yoke that you're not intended to wear in life, and it's going to wear you out. The magazine titled The Week two years ago had a really scary article about middle-aged Americans, and that would be someone like Linnea's age. I'm younger than that, right? No, no. But this article followed middle-aged people, let's say people in their mid-50s, who they followed a group of people for 20 to 30 years. And what they began to notice, there began to be an epidemic of early death. Some were suicide. Some were alcohol or drug-related. Some, some just stress and just people just having heart attacks. Apparently healthy people and dying. And what they began to find out as they began to look into these cases and when people had survived the heart attacks and these things, is they talked about these people living stressful, hard, busy, fast, worrying, never-stopping lives. People who were depressed because they looked at their life in their mid-50s and said, I've not accomplished what I was supposed to accomplish. My life doesn't amount to anything. And they're dropping like flies. You see, if we don't begin to handle... Life the way God wants us to, eventually it will handle you. So here's a foundational thought this morning and for this sermon series. The Jesus way is the way to be sane in an insane world. It's the really is the way to be healthy. We're going to look at some things this morning and we're going to look at them in the weeks ahead. The Jesus way of doing life. Here's the first thing Jesus says: come to me. Come to me. Come to Him. Verse 28, Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary, and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. You go, man, this morning I'm depressed, I'm anxious, I can't sleep, I'm overwhelmed, I'm stressed, you're going to be that way in six months, you're going to be that way in two years. Don't forget these words. Jesus is looking at you. He knows what's going on, and he's saying to you this morning, humble yourself and come to me. That word come in your Bible literally means get off your rear and move to Jesus. Quit thinking about it. Quit debating it. Quit talking about Greek words and Hebrew words. And this and that. The King James and the way. And move to Jesus is what he's saying. You've got to act. Nobody can take care of your health if you're not going to do something. And Jesus says, I want to help you. Come to me. Look what he says. And I will give you rest man it's that is stated emphatically in the bible and by that i mean it's like jesus pounded on a tree and he said hey come to me i can help you isn't that good that jesus acted that way in other words you're saying i know you're stressed i know you got problems Some of you are too arrogant, and you're not going to listen. But when you're ready, and when you're beat down, come to me. Some of you are ready today, come to me. He says, I'll give you rest. That word rest does mean a break, but it means much more than that. It means to be refreshed or rejuvenated. Jesus says, look, I'm just not going to stick you on a beach the rest of your life. I'm going to stick you on a beach for a while, then I'm going to put you back in the game, and I'm going to have you up and going. How do you come to Jesus? Two steps. One, if you're not a Christian, you give your life to him today. Some of you have been baptized, sprinkled. You joined the church. You know the answers. You've never been born again. You've got to give your life to Christ. You have to come to Him. That's the starting point. But listen, as a Christian, we've come to Jesus, many of us, but slowly and surely we've backed away to we're a long way from Jesus today. And and you don't have to be saved every day, but listen, following Christ, staying close to Christ is an everyday proposition. Luke nine twenty three, Jesus says this. He says, if you want to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross every other month, and follow me. Is that what it says? What is it? Read that last part. Take up your cross daily and follow me. That means that following Jesus, being right with Jesus, is a daily thing. Man, here's the first thing I want to tell you. You may need to see a doctor. You may need medicine. You may need counseling. And I'm all for that. Every good and perfect gift comes from God is what it says in James 1. But the first step to health is coming to Jesus. What many of us need to do is we need to make a decision. We're going to snuggle up with Jesus and we're going nowhere without him. Get your hand on him. And don't let go. That's what Jesus says. Here's the second part of it. Come to me and do life Jesus' way. Do life Jesus' way. In verse 29, take my yoke upon you. Again, the yoke's the wooden harness, but it's also symbolic of a way of life. And remember, the yoke's got to fit well. If the yoke doesn't fit well, it may break you in a day. It may break you in six months, but it will break you eventually. Jesus says, take my yoke. Do life my way. Jesus says, I am humble, and I am gentle and hard. Isn't that the coolest thing? Here's God in the flesh. He's pleading with you, come to me, let me help you, do life my way. By the way, you're not coming to some arrogant distance, hard to find God. The Greeks said God was hard to find. And here's Jesus is saying, I'm God in the flesh, come to me, I'm right here, come to me. And by the way, when you come to me, you're not coming to some arrogant, know-it-all, condescending religious leader. You're coming to someone who is humble and gentle in heart. In verse 30, he says, for my yoke, my way of life is easy. The word easy means it's good, it's gentle. Listen, it's a right fit for use. And it's easy to bear. My burden, and the burden means load. That doesn't mean like, oh, God's going to burden me. It means the load I give you is light. And and the word light there means it's doable. In other words, here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, again, I'm not going to just stick you on a beach the rest of your life. I may put you on a beach for a while, but I'm going to put you back in the game. But if you will do life my way, and I'm going to spell some of that out in just a second. You'll do life my way. I'm going to put life on you that you can handle, that you can do, that's fit for you. Too many of us are trying to do life in a way that's not fit for us. Jesus says, I'm going to put a yoke on you that you can handle. Some of you are going, I'm overworked, I'm burned out, I have too much to do. You need to do life Jesus' way. Jesus says, I've got a yoke for you that'll fit. It's the picture again of that trailer carrying a load, except this time the load's perfect. It's not too light, it's not too heavy. And the, tr- and the truck can pull it easily. It's, it's the coolest thing here. Jesus says to us, in a burned-out, stressed-out, tired world, Jesus says, I want to show you how to do life that's fit perfectly for you, and that will work. How many of you have ever weed-eated? How many of you are old enough remember, to remember before there was weed-eater, there were hand clippers? How many of you remember this? Now, you young people, listen. Because I'm fixing to tell you about the way parents used to torture kids. When I was growing up, weed eaters didn't exist. And we had hand clippers. Y'all remember those? Some of y'all remember those? Rush, you remember those? And so when your dad told you to weed eat the yard or around the driveway, here's what you did. You got on all fours and crawled and clipped. My family became uptown at one point, And we got electric hand clippers. They were just as terrible. If you want an experiment in this after church, get a line over here, and I want you to crawl on all fours around the church for an hour. That's what it was like. If we had to do that now, I would Mount Monsanto my whole yard just a bomb and kill everything. There's no way. It was torture. It was terrible because it was not agronomically correct. We were not fit to crawl around with a little clipper doing like that up and down the driveway. Amen? I wasn't. And then came the weed eater. Listen, I don't like the weed eater, but it is like a thousand times better. I mean, you pull it nine times and it starts, right? (laughs) But then you've got a harness and then you can stand up. I mean, it's a thousand times better because it's fit for use for a human being. And God says, listen, man, I got a way of life. That's fit for you. Let me me lay out some of these things. You're taking notes. Write this down. What does doing life Jesus' way look, look like? It means you put him number one. You put him number one. Man, you come to church like you're here today. You come to church. You need this. You give God one day a week and you rest and you worship and you don't work and you don't chase a thousand other things... You overeat. You sleep too much and you have fun. Let Sunday be fun day. You give God... You you need a day off. Your kids' parents need a day off. You read your Bible. Man, it's God's Word. It's nourishment for your soul. You pray. You talk to God. Hey, you start serving. Serving the church or in the community. You find a place where you can be others-focused. A lot of times we get depressed and we're focusing on one thing, us. And service helps us get our minds and our attention off us. And on others, we give, we're generous. Doing life God's way is not complicated. It's just not easy. But it fits you perfectly. That's the way, the beginning point, for you having the best psychological and emotional health you can have and i'm not kidding i know that this is absolutely true absolutely true how many of you have any uh, books on a kindle ebooks you read how many of you read your bible online uh, do you ever mark in your ebooks or your bibles you your mark amazon keeps up with what you're marking isn't that good to know <laughs> And this last year, they put out a list of the top books that people buy and the top passages marked in those books. And one of the books that they put out, information on, was the Bible, which I thought was cool. So if you you have a Kindle Bible or like I use uh, the Bible with my iPad, but if you're underlining things, Amazon's keeping up with that. And they put out a list of the most marked Bible verse in 2017. What would you guess it was? I, I would have thought John 3:16, right? For God so loves the world. You, you, you know that one. 23rd Psalm's a pretty good choice, isn't it? The Lord is my shepherd. I, I would, it wasn't either one of those. You know what it was? It was Philippians 4, 6, and 7. If you don't know what those verses say, let me share them with you. It says, "Do not be anxious about anything, but instead, in everything, by prayer and petition, submit your request to God with thanksgiving, and then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus." You know, when I saw that, I thought, "Man, that is so cool! What gr- aren't those great verses?" But but here's the thing too that made me sad. Those are the most marked verses because we're a worried, anxious, overwhelmed people. That's why they're the most marked. But I want to share with you something today. Some of you desperately need to hear. You're anxious. You're depressed. You're worried. You're overwhelmed. I I promise you, I promise you, there is hope for you. If you'll make a decision... If you'll make a decision to come to Jesus and do life His way. So the question for you and for me is will we? Let's pray. This morning if you're a Christian, I would I would ask you, are you where you need to be with God? And if not, will you do whatever you need to be, do to get back right with God? You're here today, and you're not a Christian, or you're unsure. If you're ready today to cross that line with Jesus, and you're sincere, pray with me, and just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner, and I want to turn from my sins. And Jesus, I I believe you're God's son and that you died and arose for me. Come into my heart, Jesus. And I surrender my life to you. Let me have your attention. Remember what I said earlier, we've got to act, we've got to respond. Jesus said, come to me, don't think about it anymore, don't. Wait till a better time. Come to me. Maybe you just prayed and asked Jesus into your life. Or you're ready to do that. We'd be happy to talk to you about that after church. Or you can come when we stand and talk to a minister about that decision. Maybe you'd like to join our church. Man, we would love for you to. You need a church. And if God's leading you to join us, we need you. You can join after church. Or you can come right now and join us when we stand. Christian, where are you with God? You cannot be healthy without being where you need to be with God. Where you're standing or at the altar, Christian, lead the way to start this new year with God first. Maybe you want us to pray for you. We would love to. Or you want to again pray at the altar. But what I'm asking you to do this morning is you come to Jesus like he, he said to. Let's stand. You respond as we say